Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Anxiety to Love. You guys keep sending in your $1,000 questions. They are awesome. We, we, my team and I are having fun reading through them. They're so poignant. They're such brilliant questions. So really awesome. You guys are the best. And if you're listening to this and wondering, what is she talking about, about a $1,000 question, you can search for the session episode where I talk all about it. It's called $1,000 question. It was about a month ago where I explain all about life's burning questions and how I just might answer yours during an episode of this show. So if you got a question, send it to info at thesoulfrequency.com. Put the word question in the subject line and then stay tuned because you might see your question being answered popping up one day as you're listening to the show. That would be fun. And if you are a person that is spiritually evolving and growing in your life and you have some people in your life that don't get it or you feel like don't get you, or if you're feeling afraid to tell the people you love some of your deepest truths, which might be rising to the surface, then stop right now, push pause, and go get a copy of the Alignment Conversation Blueprint. It is an absolutely free tool that is literally worth a million dollars. Seriously. Um, It's a lifesaver. I mean, the one thing that I see in my practice that stands in the way of transformation is our fear of what people think, or also the difficulty we have in communicating from the heart and creating an environment where we can feel accepted and loved in the conversation. So I created the alignment conversation to help you with all of this. You can go to my website at thesoulfrequency.com forward slash alignment, and you're going to get access to not only the seven steps in the blueprint, which is a PDF that you can get, but within the PDF, there's a link to a free 20-minute training that I created where I take you through each of the steps in the conversation, how to do it effectively, why it's impactful. So... This is a tool that you can continue to practice and utilize in your life. So go now, um, get the PDF and start communicating powerfully. This is going to really help open your heart space, right? Clear out the fear and help you keep evolving and moving forward in your life and hopefully get the love and support of all of the people in your life so they can come along on the journey as well. So today we're going to talk about an incredibly important subject, which is anxiety. And I absolutely love my guest's approach to this topic and her incredible story of healing in her own life. So today, Corrine Zupko joins me on the show. She's the author of the best-selling and multi-award-winning book, From Anxiety to Love. 
She began her work with A Course in Miracles in 1997 after struggling with multiple anxiety disorders and now lives free from debilitating anxiety solely due to the course. Corinne is a keynote speaker, professor, counselor, and coach, and teaches mindfulness meditation classes at Bank of America. With no further ado, Corinne Zepko. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Thank you so much, Shauna. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I am really thrilled to have this conversation um, about anxiety. And I read, when I was reading through your book, one of the first things that jumped out at me was it said an estimated 40 million adults suffer from anxiety. And I was sitting there thinking, huh, well, I've never really even thought about how many people in the U.S., right? Um, Because that was a a number about the U.S. and how many people are in the U.S. And so I looked that up and it's like 327 million, roughly. And then I'm like, well, I wonder how many of those are children. And it said like about 74 million. And so I'm doing the numbers. And basically what it comes down to is about roughly one in six adults, would be struggling with some level of anxiety in their lives. And that's a very big number of people. And, you know, I just thought we really need to have a conversation about so many different things surrounding this subject because it's so valuable and important. It is. And that number is reported anxiety. So those are people that are coming forward and are saying, hey, you know, I have anxiety or, or are diagnosed with anxiety. I actually think the real number is much higher than that. And I also think it is just rampant among children nowadays as well. We have lots to be anxious about. And I think that this is the latest epidemic. It's anxiety in our country and also elsewhere in the world as well. I agree. And definitely in children. I see a lot of that. I have a seven-year-old son um, and I'm around, you know, now that, you know, until you have a child, you're not like around that world so much. Um, But now that I'm in that world, I hear about it a lot from other parents and I see that myself. And so let's explore this word anxiety and what, you know, I believe that everything that happens in our life, and I know you do too, because you talk about in the book, can be a teacher if we look through that lens. So maybe you can take us back to your experience, why you feel called to talk about anxiety um, and, and how it's been a teacher for you. Absolutely. So thank you. I will just begin by saying that In terms of the word anxiety and what anxiety is, I'm talking about something that's much greater than just fear. We all know what fear feels like. Anxiety is like fear on crack. Like it's like turn up the volume on fear and you're going to start really feeling anxiety. And the anxiety doesn't have to be attached to anything. It can be. It can be because of something that you're anticipating or something that's actually happening in your life. But oftentimes, it can just be there for no reason. It's kind of this free-floating experience that brings about a change in your thinking. So you might have thoughts of like, you know, okay, this is not going to end well, or this physical symptom that I have means X, Y, and Z. And then you make up a story and fill in the blank. So there's thoughts that come with anxiety. There's a physical reaction in the body that comes with anxiety. For me, it was very much a feeling of, a knot in my stomach. I would get this like shakiness down my legs and I would just feel flooded with stress hormones and a rapid heart, really clammy hands, increase in breathing, all those sort of fight or flight responses that we turn on 
in response to sometimes just a thought or maybe nothing. It just sort of happens on its own. So my story actually begins from the age of two. I had my first psychiatric diagnosis when I was around two years old and I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder. My poor mother could not leave the room or I would scream my head off. She couldn't leave my sight. And as I grew out of that, the anxiety, I like to think about it as being a shapeshifter. So I got help as a child, but I didn't really get a lot of true relief because what happened was that the separation anxiety got better, but then I started developing different types of phobias and I started worrying about my health. And when I got to college, which is a time that college age range is a time when mental health issues surface for a lot of people. And my number one anxiety trigger had to do with health concerns. So if I felt some type of physical symptom that I didn't know what it was, or if I had to go for further testing because the doctors weren't sure, I would freak out. It would just be, I could go from peaceful to panicked in a split second. And when I was a sophomore in college, I learned that a student who I didn't know, he was a year older than I was, he died very suddenly of meningitis. And supposedly the night before he died, he was at a party and was completely fine. And then he was found dead the next morning. And I remember feeling this spike of fear just come through my body and this feeling of panic come over me like, oh my gosh, could this happen to me next? And I was able to talk myself down from those feelings during the day. But then three o'clock that very next morning, I woke up with what felt like a punch in my stomach of stress hormones. I remember sitting up in my bunk bed, just gasping for air, feeling like I was about to die. And I remember shakily climbing down my bunk bed ladder, hoping to not wake my roommate because I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't know what was happening. So I didn't want anybody else to you know, make a big deal of this. But I called my mom. I called home at three o'clock in the morning and my mother magically heard the phone ring from across the house and really instilled hope in me that we'd find help because up to this point, I had tried certain approaches, certain therapeutic approaches here and there, but nothing really started getting to the root cause of my anxiety. So that's kind of how everything began. And it was through my own journey of healing that is the reason that I'm here with you right now talking about this, because when I started finding relief, I had to write about what was helping me because nothing else that I had tried was getting to the deep sort of core of the anxiety issues and the fears that I was facing in my mind. And in addition, I'll just add one more thing. In addition to the anxiety triggers being largely focused on health, obviously other things would freak me out as well, but I always had these sort of existential questions that I would wrestle with. Like you know, people say that you've heard that expression, I'm sure God is love. I was like, number one, if there is a God, how can God be loving if certain thing, if everything dies, if everything changes, like if things can suffer, that just didn't seem loving to me. And I remember just being stuck with questions like that for a long time. And that was also why a lot of different approaches didn't necessarily help me right away because they didn't address those deep core existential questions that I had. So that sort of led me into a spiritual pathway and 
going head first, diving really deep into spiritual healing, I found those answers that I was looking for. I found the relief that I was looking for, but it took some really, really deep inner work. Yeah. So that's fascinating because I was thinking along the lines of, you know, there's so many different angles that we can look um, and lenses that we can look through. Like, you know, certainly some people head down a medication route. Some people head down, you know, a traditional therapy route for some people. It's a spiritual journey. I mean, there are these different routes or even, you know, food or nourishing or how you take care of your body. Some people really approach that. And, you know, I don't think there's any just one globally right answer for every single person. Mm -hmm. And I also think, people, you know, find their way on any journey to a lot of different things that might be helpful for them. But what I, what you just said that I thought was so interesting is, you know, like, let's say you were going to take a medication route. If the anxiety is coming from these existential questions that you have, right? These very deep, almost like, you know, probably beyond your years when you started having them and very wise and big questions, um, that's certainly not going to address that, right? And exactly. And I think you, you know, that point is it's like you really have to get to know yourself to like really uncover where's this coming from for me, right? And what and what is the approach that's gonna feel right and gonna fit me? And so I love that you shared that. And I wanted to ask you too what your opinion is, obviously, in experiencing this and living it and helping others with it. Is there any components of of something of anxiety being hereditary? Is there components of certainly um, environmental things? Right, if we live with people that have anxiety, are we adopting right some of those fears as well? What's your viewpoint on that? So, from a scientific standpoint, there absolutely is a hereditary piece to this. There's also a learned piece to this. If you're young and you're witnessing mom and dad, you know, getting really anxious over certain things or a parent, I had a parent who was very like very very nervous about health related things. You can learn it too. So it's not just, you know, genetics, it can be learned, but at the same time, I that that we can't look at that as, you know, oh, my parents had anxiety. That's why I have it. I, I don't think we can just excuse that away. You said this just now so beautifully that you absolutely have to get to know yourself. If anxiety does run in your family, so be it. If you have it, it is now a portal of entry for you into getting to know yourself much more deeply because that anxiety is a big motivator. It is so uncomfortable you can let it propel you into going deeper into knowing yourself into a spiritual journey rather than just taking, like you just mentioned, medication. Medication is not going to address any of those deeper questions. Now, I am a very middle of the road person. I have used medication in the past when I've needed it. But for me, my thinking was always that I am taking my medicine with spirit and I'm trusting that my need for it will fall away when I'm ready to let it go. So I never took it without also doing all of this other inner work in conjunction, therapy, spiritual work, all of it. I think it needs to be a complete package. If we just rely on one thing like medication, we're not going to be getting to know ourselves. We're no, we're, we're taking away that 
propulsion that anxiety can give us to motivate us to get to work. And so that's why I feel like anxiety can be a real gift and a teacher if we allow it to, because it's so uncomfortable, we can allow it to propel ourselves to go deeper. And I, when I first started having these panic attacks back my, back in college, and this is back in the 90s, I, at that time, didn't want to take medication because I knew, number one, if I started it, I would be too afraid to go off of it. And number two, I wanted to feel the pain so I knew exactly where the pain relief came from. I felt like medication, you know, it could have helped me for sure. And I still could have done this work and then, you know, weaned myself off of it. But that was just my thinking at the time. There were later episodes when I did rely on medication because I looked at it as just a temporary support while I continue to work, you know, my spiritual principles and my spiritual pathway, which is of a, um, a program called A Course in Miracles, a book called A Course in Miracles, I don't vilify medication at all. So I just wanted to, you know, mention that it's just one piece of the puzzle, but it really is a disservice, I think, to only rely on it. Yes, agree. I think, you know, and I think the exploration, it takes out the exploration. And when you look at it like, okay, this is my teacher, then it calls us forward to explore, right? And know ourselves deeper, like you said, so beautifully. And you mentioned you talk a lot in the book about A Course in Miracles. So for somebody that hasn't heard about A Course in Miracles or what that is, can you give us a little description? Absolutely. A Course in Miracles is a book, and I believe that it's a pathway that one day is going to really, I mean, there, there have been millions of copies sold, but it's not necessarily maybe recognized as of yet as one of like the world's major spiritual pathways. I absolutely think it will be because it is a course that the, the book itself contains a text a workbook, which includes one lesson a day for 365 days. And then in the back of the book, it's called the Manual for Teachers, which is more of like a Q&A type of format. And what this course, what this book is helping us do is to listen and learn a new thought system. So the course is teaching us that we have two thought systems, both are in our mind. And the thought system that right now you could probably say is like maybe the predominant thought system in the world is a thought system of fear. Now there's also this other thought system and it's a thought system of love. And we can call this spirit. We can call this our inner guidance system, whatever. We have many words for it. This other thought system, this loving thought system is very real and it's in each and every one of us. And so A Course in Miracles is basically teaching us through mind training how to choose again, how to choose to listen to that loving thought system instead of that fearful thought system. And in doing so, we come to experientially know who it is that we really are, which is love, which is eternal love and light and joy and all of those things that we want so badly, but we often are misguided because we think we can find those things in the world when we can't. They're only found within and and through uh, our relationships because we're all made of the same love. So we can uncover this truth through doing a lot of forgiveness work, which the course talks about, and it does define it in a slightly different way than how we're used to thinking about it. Um, I like to think about forgiveness as something forgiving to spirit. So something happens and rather than me hanging on to it forever, I'm going to offer it to spirit and ask for 
a miracle, ask for a shift in perception instead. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's, it's beautiful. And I love the way that you utilize it in the book, right? As kind of the lens you're looking through um, to help with anxiety, which is, mm-hmm. it's, it's a gorgeous way to utilize the work. And you talk about, you know, the difference in duality and oneness throughout the book. What is duality have to do with anxiety or or when we're viewing the world through through a dualistic lens? Oh, that's such a good question. And that's such a that question I can take in so many ways and go so deep with it. So duality is this state, this world that we are in. There's right and wrong, good and bad, happy and sad, fear and love. There's all these opposites that exist. And Obviously, that's opposite of oneness because, of course, Miracles is teaching us that there is only love. That is the truth, and that's all there is. The rest is actually a dream. It's actually an illusion. So when we are in duality and when we are fully immersed in it, the reason that that's like synonymous with anxiety is because we don't know who we really are. Anxiety comes from being identified with a small self. So when I'm identified, I'll use my my own name as an example to talk about myself in the third person. When I'm fully identified with just Corinne, and that's all there is, I am going to feel anxiety and anxious because I feel separate from everything. I feel separate from everyone and every living thing and from our source energy, from love. However, when I start to step into this new mindset, this loving thought system of oneness and seeing, not just seeing, but knowing our wholeness and our connection, that's when I start to learn of my true self, which with a capital S self. So I like to think about the, you know, Corinne, my small S self versus who I really am as my capital S self. And as we start to shift our identification into that capital S self, the anxiety has to fall away. It can't exist when we know who we truly are, when we are dwelling in that state of love. It's so great. And you say in the book, I loved this part, you say your self, the capital S self, does not know anxiety. Anxiety comes from trying to be something that we're not. We're not bodies, but we want to be bodies. This part of us that actively wants to be separate from oneness contributes to anxiety. As we learn that oneness isn't scary and is actually what makes us happy, we gradually open to it and then anxiety diminishes. Yes. Yes, that's it. Thank you for reading that. That says it so succinctly. It's so beautiful. And I think, you know, in that moment, if you ever feel about, I mean, everybody's experienced anxiety in their lives. I mean, you know, even if it's not something you experience all the time, but if you think back to any time in your life, you have felt anxious about something, I guarantee you're not in oneness, right? Mm-hmm. You're in fear, you're in all these other places, but you're not in this great expanded place of oneness. And so having that alone as a tool and being able to be aware enough in the moment that you're feeling even a little bit anxious, it's like, oh, right, I'm not in my capital S self right now. Yes. And being able to have that shift, I mean, I just think that's such a practical, simple tool that we all have with us at every moment of our lives to just kind of switch into that higher self if we can become aware at where we're resonating when we're feeling anxious. Absolutely. And that's why I feel 
like anxiety sufferers have a gift because we are so hypersensitive to fear. I know I can feel it if there's the slightest twinge of, uh uh-oh, like, you know, what? For instance, with my pattern of being focused a lot on health anxiety, in the past, if I'd feel even that little tingle of like, oh, what does that symptom mean? I notice it and it's a gift because then I can immediately say what you just said, I'm not in my capital S self right now. And here at this moment, I have the power to choose again. And the process that I teach in the book, which is based on A Course in Miracles, is about noticing whatever the fear thought is, noticing whatever the fearful experience is, acknowledging it, handing it over to spirit. So in other words, inviting the light to come shine on the shadow, which then dissipates the shadow. And then we receive a miracle, which is a shift in perception or some sort of experience of love, which reinforces our choice for having turned to spirit. We come to know who it is that we really are. Mm, So beautifully said. What just personally, what has anxiety, when you look back over your life, what has it taught you about yourself? Oh my gosh. What a great question. Anxiety has taught me that there is way more to this world than what we see with our body's eyes. It's taught me that this is not all there is. And for that, I am so incredibly grateful because the my, my personal experiences with anxiety have been so painful and were for so, I mean, we're talking most of my life. It forced me to look for a better way. And so I feel incredibly grateful that I feel like I have learned and am still learning that this is not all there is. And I'm really grateful for that. It's so awesome. And if, when you look back on anything in your life, you can be grateful for that. Like your life might've just continued down a whole different path had anxiety not welcomed itself into your world Mm -hmm. to teach you that expanded viewpoint. And I think on the flip side, for anybody that's struggling with anything in their life, We get so caught up sometimes in the struggle of it because we don't yet have the perspective of being able to look back and say, oh my gosh, look at all the people and the experiences and the things I learned because of the gift of X, Y, or Z that's in our life. And I think it's so important to realize that. And if we can realize that in the moment that the thing is happening, it's like a portal into into looking at it a different way. Because when we don't, if we say, oh, anxiety is terrible in my life, right? Then we're constantly just resisting the teacher. 100%. And just to give a very specific example about how anxiety has, really how it shaped my whole career path. Because when I started having those panic attacks in college, I got into therapy. I was helped a lot by that and changed my major to psychology. And from there went into counseling because I wanted to help people from there, you know, went into coaching and then writing my book and now doing a lot of speaking and teaching. So it's the anxiety has completely shaped the course of my career in the best possible way that had the anxiety not been there, who knows what I would be doing or up to. So you're absolutely right that when we're in the middle, the struggle of it, it's really hard to see that greater perspective, but we have to remember that all things work together for good. And whatever is happening is an opportunity to grow. Beautifully said. What, where can people find the book, find you? I know you have a podcast. Tell us everything. 
Yeah. So my website is from anxiety to And that is the title of my book, which is sold wherever books are sold. And I do have a from anxiety to love podcast where I talk it's, it's solely focused on a course in miracles and anxiety, which is a lot of fun. So the, yeah, that's, I I'm obviously, you know, on social media, I hang out there a lot too, but from anxiety to love.com is my main, my main hub. Amazing. Yeah. So for anybody that just is looking for a new perspective shift on anxiety, um, this book is a great perspective shift on anxiety. If you're feeling like you have that and, and you identify with some of the things that we've been talking about and it feels heavy for you, I think one of the gifts of your book is it really lightens it up like so that we can have some movement with it, right? If we're, if we're really heavy with things, it just feels solid and heavy like a rock you can't move. And this book is a beautiful kind of light awakening and perspective shift that can allow, you know, some healing to come in. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I'm so grateful that you said that because that really was my goal is to keep this light and humorous. And, you know, I share a lot of personal stories in the book. Many of them I think are pretty funny because we tend to take our problems so seriously and anxiety will suck you know, our laughter right out of us. And it's important to remember to keep that lightheartedness and that laughter. And so I did have that goal of keeping the pathway of healing light. And so thank you for, for noticing that. I love that. And there's all kinds of really practical application stuff in the book as well. So, you know, things that you can literally do, like actions you can take, which I think is really helpful as well. So let me ask you the four questions that we ask all of our guests on the show. And it's just a time to sit back and share your life and your wisdom and anything that might be coming up in your life for you now or new lessons. We're always learning. Um, it's based on four steps that I take people through called the anatomy of transformation. And the first Step is truth with a big capital T. I believe that when we get to new truths or truth really rises to the surface inside of us, that it's a big catalyst for our life. It starts things in motion for us to evolve. So what is a big truth you've come across on your path lately? Oh, I love that question. A big truth that I've come across on my path lately is the recognition that despite what seems to be happening in the world, between people, in politics, whatever it is, that we always have the ability to choose again and we can choose to see the truth beyond the form. So the form that shows up in our lives, in the world, it can be something triggering. Let's say like, you know, something that you, you turn on the news and you see something that looks horrifying. I believe it's my job as a miracle worker to be willing to see past that form to the truth beyond. So that's something that is something that I do every single day, because of course there's things every single day that you see and hear that are upsetting. And I always bring myself into that mindset of being willing to choose again and being willing to see the love behind the form, even if it seems completely impossible. I, I do that process that I mentioned before about turning to spirit and asking to experience a miracle. Oh, that's really beautiful. And the second step is release. And so what did you have to release, be it a perception, a belief system, ways of seeing the world, the lens you're looking through to really step into that truth? I took this step so seriously of releasing in being willing to release everything. And when I say everything, I mean 
you know, there were times when the anxiety had me down on my knees on the side of my bed. And I was just like, I am handing over everything that's freaking me out. I'm handing over my life, my body, my health, my thoughts. I am making a muck of things. And so I'm releasing everything to make complete space in my mind for that love and that light to shine in. And that is what has happened. I feel like I've had glimpses of that love with a capital L that's in all of us. And that has motivated me to really release everything because sometimes I can't tell or we can't tell the difference between that ego voice, that fearful voice and the loving voice or the guidance. And so rather than trying to figure it out, I just let it go. I, I, I release all of it. And I trust that the guidance is going to show up in place in that, in that space that I've left within me. Oh, so awesome. And the third step is experience. So on the other side of release, there's a clearing. There's like, you know, in that surrender, in that releasing, there is the dawn of something new and it's your life experience. So how have those moments where you just surrendered everything and released it all change your daily life, the way you experience the world? Oh, I love this question. I love all these questions. These are so great. The experience for me is the big opportunity that we have to grow our learning because as I've released, you're absolutely right. You said that so beautifully. There is a clearing that happens and it makes space for something new. And the experiences that come in, sometimes in me, it would be suddenly there was this peaceful rush of love that would just come through my heart. Or I would be thinking of somebody who I haven't talked to in years and 30 seconds later, the phone rings and it's them. And I'm not lying. It, it, you know, there are these like synchronicities that happen when we open ourselves. And so the experience that comes, be it, like I said, just a renewed sense of love and peace or something that seems to show up in the world, those experiences have then enabled me to really, really allow my trust in spirit to build, to really be so confident that there's something so much more to this world than what we see with our body's eyes. Mm, so amazing. And the fourth is a line, which is really what keeps us operating in a higher frequency and our higher self. It's the ways that we return to self or the tools or the spiritual practices that we do that always remind us to come back to, come back to ourselves, right? And to remember the truth of the oneness. So what is it for you that is a practice or something that you think of to remember um, your higher self? I love this question and I had three downloads just now. So I'll, I'll say each one briefly. The first one to stay aligned requires radical honesty. So it means being totally honest with yourself and totally honest with spirit. So if you're having a fear thought or if you had a really ugly judgmental thought come through your mind, it's about being honest with yourself that that just showed up and then being willing to choose again, being willing to turn it over willingness is the next word that I wanted to emphasize. I feel like staying in alignment requires a moment to moment willingness to release everything to kind of stay in these steps. And the third piece that I wanted to add is that to stay in that alignment, it's so important that we be willing to watch our minds like a hawk so closely because sometimes when we start down the fearful pathway of judgment thoughts or worry thoughts, we don't realize where we are until we're already way down 
into like the ego fearful basement. Before we get there though, if we can watch our mind so closely and catch those fear thoughts or those anxiety thoughts and say, oh, you know, here it is. I'm willing to hand this over. I'm asking for a miracle instead. I would say my answer for this, this part of the question is that honesty, willingness, and watching your mind on a moment to moment basis have been three key things for me. Oh, all of them are so powerful. Willingness is like not talked about, I feel like as much and such an extremely powerful space to be in. It like, because so many times people are in resistance and they're just not willing, right? Even if we're not admitting that to ourselves. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and so willingness is, I love keying into willingness. So thank you for sharing all of those. And again, your book is From Anxiety to Love, a radical new approach for letting go of fear and finding lasting peace. Thank you for writing this. Thank you for showing up to this work. It's so needed and so important at this time. And thank you for hanging out with us. Oh, thank you, Shauna. This has been so much fun. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes.